Great is the Lord and most great to be praised. Amen? Amen. Let's let out a shout of praise. Please, just remain standing for a moment here. Uh, just a couple of things. In case you're not aware, and I think most of you saw, Mary's Lake Lodge burned down last night, so that might be news to you. But I just want to thank God that no lives were lost and no serious injuries as far as I know. So praise God for that, right? Yeah, yeah. I also want to thank God for those who are firefighters and who serve so diligently and the way our communities work together. So, so what happens with future bookings and, and lodging? I don't know if you tried to book for anybody, but nothing's available in town, right? So what happens with all that kind of stuff? Uh, then what about all those workers that are suddenly out of jobs, right? Many of those people are working three jobs, and that's, that's part of their deal. And so we need to pray about that. And so one of the things I would encourage you uh, to pray about is, is there something God would have us do as a body to minister in this time? If you would do that and commit to that and, and just listen to God, hear his voice, and, and let's respond accordingly, okay? Yeah, and see, see if we're led in any particular direction. But thank you for your hearts and thank you for your love in all of this, okay? So I'm Pastor Michael, lead pastor here at Summit, and uh, we're in a study of Hebrews this year that gets broken up along the way. And a couple of weeks ago, oh, and that reminds me of a couple of things I'm grateful for. Stay standing. Thank you. Oh, no. Um, I want to thank God for a great week of ministry. Last Sunday, we had church in the park. And if you were there, it was amazing. And the rain stayed away until church was done. Isn't that cool? Yeah. And I love what Jamie shared. The story goes perfectly with the teaching today, I feel. But man, when I saw the army of you all there every day serving and wanting to be a part of what God's doing, I thank God for you. And I thank God for our family life director, Anita Schatz. And yeah. yeah. Okay, so a few weeks ago, we ended the teaching with these verses, and so I said we have to come back to these, so, so here we are, Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 to 3, it says here in the Bible, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, those who have been influencers of the faith in the past, just like what Jamie talked about, people in your life and my life, right, since we're surrounded by these, let us dwell everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us, what's that word? Run. run. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning and shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, and then I don't think these next words are up there, but they're part of the text, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Just pray these words. Lord Jesus, mm -hmm. speak. speak. 
I'm listening. I'm listening. Amen. You can have a seat. Thank you so much. So, uh, in case you didn't pick it up, a very key word here is, is verse 1, partway through the verse, that word, that word, run. And, and as much as you may sometimes want to, this isn't run away. <laughs> Someone once said that they have wanted to run away far more as an adult than they ever did as a kid. Yeah, but that's not what this is about. This isn't a defense action. This, this isn't about escape, okay? This isn't about getting out of this thing. This is an offense action. It's a picture of a race. Life is a race. You and I are in a race. It's not a sprint. It's absolutely a marathon. And so right here, the text says, run well. Run with perseverance the race marked out for who? Yeah, I like the ops. I like the all-inclusiveness because it, it brings me along with you into this picture. And the idea is run in such a way as to ensure that you will finish well. It will be so worth it. And there's a reason given here for this kind of encouragement. And I love this kind of encouragement in Scripture. But, but the specific reason is in verse 3, following the verse, where it says, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. God knows that you and I, we have a tendency to grow weary. We have a tendency to lose heart. He understands that we sometimes want to quit. We want to jump, drop out of the race, that there are times that we just want to run away. Do you agree? Okay, yeah, okay. Thank you for everybody being honest. I think we're all the same, same age right here. I think most of us have probably heard or at least aware of the expression, a flash in a pan, flash in the pan, right? Flash in the pan. Let me give you three definitions here. First, it's a short-term, unsustained success. It's a sudden, spasmodic effort that ultimately accomplishes little or nothing. It's someone who appears promising but ends up being disappointed. Okay, now, I, we all have these scars from our past, and, and I, I'm thinking about Coach Lundy. Coach, Coach Lundy, one of my guys I looked up to, one of my influencers back in junior high, who one day said, we're going to have a handball tournament. And I was really into this handball tournament. In fact, I was dominating, okay? And it was awesome. And it came down to the final two. It was myself and a friend that I've talked about before, the guy who actually rescued me one day when I passed out, okay? Angel, Angel Delgado, huge guy, truly an angel. And so we get out there on the court, and Mr. Lundy, if he could put, have put all his money on anybody, he would have put his money on me. And he, he was intense, and he was certain that I would win. Turns out, I didn't even show up that day. Angel Delgado just wiped me out. I don't think I even scored a point. And Coach Lundy said, Michael Discoli, you're such a disappointment. Oh, flash in the pan, right? His success. That's all it was. 
Now, when we look at this expression, there are those who claim that it dates back to the California gold rush. And if you can get a picture of this, a, a prospector gets really excited when he suddenly sees this glitter in his hand. But he ends up being disappointed when he realizes that it was nothing more than a what? Good, good, your excellency is flash the man. That's, that, that's right. And it ties together perfectly with another gold rush statement that deals with disappointment. The statement, it just didn't pan out. You know that one. And, and so, yeah, this works pretty good, you know, in, in talking about what we're talking about here, but, but actually that's not where it comes from. It, it actually has to do with firearms. So I brought a picture here of a flintlock musket, okay? And uh, the flintlock musket actually has two charges of gunpowder. It, ha it has a main charge that needs a smaller charge in order to ignite it. That's the way to get this, this bullet moving. So, so the smaller charge is placed in, and there's a highlight there, of what's called a priming pan or a flash pan. And, and if, that, if that smaller charge fails to ignite the, the larger charge, all you would get is a lot of smoke and noise. That's it. No real impact. Gun is worthless with a lot of smoke and noise. Does that sound like anybody you know, by chance? A lot of smoke and noise. Uh, yeah, you think about somebody specific? Right there, right? Uh, so it, it could be called a flash in the pan. They also refer to it as being a fluff in the pan. Just not much there, okay? Gun guy John, is this making sense so far? Or, okay, good, good. Just, you know, uh, somebody who knows these things a little better than I do. But the reason I share this it is, goes along right with what Jamie said. The authentic Christian life. The authentic Christian life. The kind of life that God made me for, the kind of life that God made me for, isn't about a bunch of smoke and noise. It's really about, awesome word, legacy. It's about the story that will outlive you and me. The story that we can carry into eternity. I like to think of it as, as a difference, oftentimes when I'm teaching this, the difference between dynamite and dynamo. Dynamite has impact, right? It has a loud pop, and it definitely has an effect, but once that's done, it's over. It, it's over. There's nothing else that stick of dynamite will ever do. But when you talk about dynamo, you're talking about a steady forward motion force that has long-lasting impact. Okay, so, so in Hebrews chapter 11, when we saw the, the Faith Hall of Fame, we saw those who have lasting impact, right? Now we come to Hebrews chapter 12, and taking and building from that, Father God is calling you and me, and he's saying, now it's your turn. Now it's my turn. You following this? Yeah, this is what the scripture is talking about here. And I really love uh, Hebrews chapter 11, so backing up to where we've been in our teaching, verse 4, where it says this about Abel. It says, though he's been dead for a long time, what's the rest of that? He's still speaking, he still speaks. You see that right there? Yeah, so God intends for you and me not to have a lot of smoke and noise, but to have 
lasting impact. It's talking about our legacy. It's talking about us in this window of time that we've given, and really in relevant eternity, a very short window. It's about us having lived lives of legacy for the glory of God. Okay, so how do we run well? And there's actually two things in the text that, that help us to run well. The first one has to do with us considering things that might be slowing us down in our race. Okay, so if you go to verse 1, there's two things that we see here. We see those things that hinder, and we see those things that are hazards. Okay, so those things that hinder, anything that encumbers, uh, excess weight, unnecessary baggage that we carry through life. Hazards, second thing. Anything that might entangle us or trip us up has the potential of just taking us out of the race completely, and that specifically has to do with this whole business of sin. Okay, so if you've been a part of church, you know that church loves to deal with the hazards. Church loves to deal with sin that entangles. And what we might not talk about as much is this business of excess baggage. Things that are not necessarily sin, but have the potential to slow us down and even take us out of the race prematurely. Yeah. Okay, so you got it? Okay. So, um, I'm Valerie and my, Valerie's my wife, and uh, we're now at 32 years of marriage, coming on 33 here Ooh. really quickly. Yeah, yeah, that's good. And uh, on our 30th wedding anniversary, as part of that, we had the opportunity to hike the Great Glenway in Scotland. Okay. Now, this, this, this was a huge, huge deal. It was off of 14-mile days. Now, the travel guys didn't tell us that. Okay. <laughs> I mean, uh, what ended up happening was you had to hike and stretch the, the trail, and then you had to go find your lodging for the night. Okay. So it, it turned out to be much longer than, than the manual suggested. But we would hike from the south of Fort William to the north at, at, in Burness. And, and so, listening to that, I don't want to give you the wrong impression. We really weren't roughing it, okay? We actually hired these couriers who would pick up all our luggage at our previous bed and breakfast, and they would haul it to the next bed and breakfast where it was their waiting place, okay? <laughs> kind of nice. So, we were spoiled children here on this journey. And all we had to do was bring what we needed for that day's hike. Well, one of the highlights of, of this hike turned out to be the people we got to know along the way. Uh, and since there were a number of us who were basically on the same schedule, there weren't a lot of people on this trail, but, but there were those that we would occasionally run into. Two of those were young newlyweds who were on their honeymoon. They were on the budget plan. They didn't share this luxury of couriers hauling their luggage for them. They had everything on their backs. They had all the food, they had their sleeping bags, they had their tent. They were very weighed down. Now get the picture, because I just need to say that when Dara and I went on our honeymoon, we were really on a budget plan, okay, but we actually had fun. Yeah. <laughs> this couple, this poor young couple, they were not having fun. Oh my goodness, it was work. It was terrible work. And, and while Mr. Prince Charlie was doing everything he could to alleviate the weight from his princess's pack, 
They were both getting frustrated. And it was just showing all over their faces. I and mean, we could just call it the honeymoon from <laughs> Scotland. <laughs> okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that, that works really well. We'll go with that. So, so we felt terrible about this. We wondered, you know, what can we do to help this poor young couple? And then one day, we ran into them, and their entire confidence were living. Everything had changed. They actually looked like they were having fun again. So we were inquisitive. We wanted to know what changed. It turned out Prince Charming somehow managed to break down, hire a career, and get them a bed and breakfast. <laughs> The load is lifted. The load is lifted. And, and this is so valuable because, friends, we let the cares of life lay us down. We let the pursuit of stuff and even owning stuff weigh us down. We allow broken relationships to weigh us down. And, and I think about this, and I think too often we Christians, we look at how the world operates and and, and we see that it's not operating in blessing, and we want the world to make decisions that line up with God and God's blessing. And, and when they aren't doing that, it starts to weigh us down. And I know this because one of the biggies in my life was too much news. Too much news. It was excess baggage. And I'll never forget the day that my dear friend for life, my dear wife, said, Honey, you need less news and more music. I'd like to create that radio station, right? Less news and more music. I just think, I think that, that's a great one. And so as we go through life, we need to ask questions like, is this bringing me up to run the race God's calling to? Is this empowering me toward faith? Is this empowering me toward hope? Is this empowering me toward love? Or is this putting stuff on me that I do not need to carry? Does this help me to run my leg of the race the best way possible because God designed me to live a life of legacy? So the question, does Jesus, does this help me run well for you? If not, then I must be ruthless about letting some stuff go. What stays what goes? And then I have to break, I'm writing this stuff, you know, in my office, and I'm starting to sing that song. You know what it is. What's that song? There it goes. Let it go. Let it go. <laughs> Let it go. So the first thing, what might be slowing us down? Got it? You sure? I mean, I didn't hear it. I just got it? Okay, what's slowing us down? Okay, so the second one is what might speed us up? And if you still have the text, this is about where we set our sights. It's about what we're running toward. Okay, how many of you have been horseback riding? Anybody? Okay, yeah, okay. Now, uh, many of us haven't had the horseback riding that, that Valerie grew up with. For her horseback riding event, that you go out to the corral and you, you find those horses that you know and horses that know you, and then you go for a ride, and, and everything's good. You're comfortable around these animals, and it's all good. But what I'm talking about here is I'm talking about one of those trouble like you might get at the park, or you might get if you're staying at the YMCA, or that some rural ranch that, that we have in town. So to your ride here, and the Wranglers now have this way of assessing who are those people that are most comfortable around horses. And the idea is that 
for those who are not comfortable, you find you know that older, gentler animal, and you let the less comfortable riders ride on those horses, right? And you've been there, you've experienced that, and you understand what we're talking about here. Okay, there's just one major problem, because that works pretty well when you're heading out on your trail ride. The problem is, eventually, you have to turn around and start heading home, back to the corral, and every horse, I don't care how old he is, loves the idea of going back home. I mean, you've heard the expression, it's like a horse to hold water, right? Getting a horse to water. That, you know, I mean, if you get pulled over by a cop, you know, and he's feeding, and you feel like, well, I'm a horse headed to water, you know? Give me, give me a break. Because every horse knows that home is where the food is, home is where the water is, home is where the rest is, and I think most importantly, home is where you finally get this overgrown piece of human flesh off your back. <laughs> I like that idea. Yeah. So home is a better place to horses. Home is, is, is a really good idea. And so when we look at our scripture, and we see that Jesus was able to run his leg of the race really well, because all the way, he saw beyond whatever he was going through, he saw toward the joy that was always out there, out there, way out there in front of him. That helped him to run well. So verse 2 says, because of the joy he knew that was in front of him, that he was able to endure the cross for you and me, even scorn and shame. And then when he arrived, he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. It's a picture of rest. It's a picture of victory to sit down. And Jesus wants you and I to know that that's what's in front of us. No matter what you are going through in life, there is always joy straight in front of you. And the moment you put faith in Jesus Christ was the moment you stopped walking away from home, life of God, and you made the turnaround, start going home. It's a good race. It's a race that's worthwhile. And the call here is to run your leg of the race like you really believe, no matter what I think, no matter what's going around me, on around me, no matter what the world, what's happening in the world, no matter what the stock market may be doing, no matter what politicians are, are doing, I'm running to the finish line because the finish line is really good. It's a really good place. Okay, so we'll come back to that quickly. We need to notice these three inspirations that are given in the text for us to run well. Okay, the first takes us back to that great cloud of witnesses. Since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us, what? Run, let us run. So the cloud of witnesses, if you're not familiar with scripture, go back and read Hebrews 11, because it is the hall of the fame hall of fame. And it lists a bunch of them. People that have gone before us. They're in our cloud of witnesses. Okay, very, very important. They're part of our journey. But it's not limited to them. I love, when I'm in conversations, I love asking people a question. When I'm talking about God, when I want to turn the corner, and I love the question, I embrace the question, I just want to know, have you ever had an experience or have you ever known someone that caused me to think, maybe, just maybe, God is real. I love that question. 
just listen. Because when I think about that, I think about a kid named Pete Davidson. I think about Mr. Davidson, Pete's dad, the scientist, who somehow would take time and talk to me who had no understanding and was teaching me the things of God, sitting in his car, sitting in his, what, 1942 MGTV, nowhere to go, and we just had conversations. I'll, I'll never forget that. I'll remember forever Pastor George Bokes, a Lutheran pastor. They used to come to church here. His church up in Minnesota, uh, Twin Cities, experienced a move of the Holy Spirit, and he was retired. He'd always sit right in the front, and he'd be there. Oh, my. Mike, Mike, Mike. If only we had preaching like this when the Holy Spirit was moving. Keep preaching, brother. Some people preach because they need to say something. You preach because you have something to say. <laughs> I mean, he's a witness. Carl Waldeck. Carl Waldeck, this huge, huge CIA agent, retired guy, right? Who just kept telling me, Michael, I just know God's going to move on this church. But what breaks my heart is I'm not sure that I'll be there when it happens. These are people that are part of my my car witnesses. And, and when I think of them, I like to think about the Roman Colosseum. Okay, now get that picture in your mind. We've all seen the Roman Colosseum, right? It's, it's ruins today. Part of Roman history, a statement to remind us all. Great nations come and they go and there's history there. But now imagine that Roman Colosseum is brand new. And people are coming in. Like they come into mile high. They're lined up. They're moving in. They're moving in. They're coming for the big game, right? And you and me, we are down on the playing field because we are running our way for the race. It's our turn. And all those great heroes of the faith, they're up there in the stands, and they're cheering us on, and they're saying, run, run, run well. I love that. That's a beautiful picture. But this time, as I was studying the scripture, I realized that it misses a very important point. It's a good point, but it misses a very important point. And that point is, they are a cloud of what? Witnesses. Yes, it's a very important word that shows up five times in Hebrews 11 alone, because it means they are there to give testimony. And so the picture is this. Whether they're in the stands, cheering or whether they're on the sidelines and we're passing them by as we're running in our marathon, what they're saying is, I made it. And I know you can too. It's all about where you're setting your focus. This is what we're talking about. Remember, Abel, though he's been dead for a long time, he's still speaking. Love it, love it, love it. So we're never alone in the journey. We've got a cloud of witnesses. The second thing is we have a great coach. Great, 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 great coach. Okay, so set your sights on Jesus. There's two things. He's the author of our faith, and he's the perfecter of our faith. So when it says author, it's saying he initiated, he initiated our faith, he's the originator of our faith, he's the founder of our faith. Perfecter means, and this talks about you and me, it means this. He always finishes what he starts. He didn't start you to give up on you. He promises to finish you. We cannot look at our faith and say, I tried before, it doesn't work. We've got to get rid of that whole idea because this isn't about trying. This is about trusting. This is about surrender. 
I've come to groups the last couple of weeks and we can't even say that this is about God, I need your help. Because what that's saying is, it actually, it's giving ourselves too much credit. It's saying, God, I'm pushing this load forward and I need your help pushing it. When Jesus is saying, hey, how about this? You give me the load and you just rest. It's learning to live that way. That's, that's what it's tied to. So it's about surrender. It's about putting our lives into his hands. I mean, think about this. Please tell me exactly how much a lump of clay can do to help a potter complete a perfect work. Not too much. Not too much. So it's about trust, about surrender. It's really about desperation. God, teach me to walk with you and abide, abide in you because unless you're doing the work, it's not going about to anything. And God looks us at the coach and he says, you know what? You're in great hands. I know exactly what I'm doing. Trust me. So great cloud witness is great, great coach. And then this third one is great joy of triumph. Back to verse 2. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith, who for the joy that he knew was in front of him, did what he needed to do, and then he sat down and rested. So, just think for a minute. Life doesn't always go the way we should. We always end up where we thought we would end up. It doesn't work out the way we thought it Life has its losses. Life has its disappointments. Life has setbacks. Life has frustrations. And we can go on and on. But there's really good news right here. Your life is not measured by where you happen to be at any given moment. Your life is measured by how you think. The marathon of the Christian life, if, as long as we set our sights on Christ, will never be a loss. It will always be a victory. Keep your eyes. That's why we have around here. All eyes on Jesus. You see it, you see it, you see it. Okay, so i got to share this story with you. Anybody familiar with the name W.A. Criswell? Okay? He pastored for a long, long time. Much loved pastor of First Baptist Church, Dallas, okay? Long, long time, it was the largest church in America. And he loved to tell the story about a friend who was a hunter that bought these two setter, setter pups that he would train in the backyard to be bird dogs. But, but one morning, as they're growing up, this little vicious-looking bulldog comes shuffling down the alley and crawls under the, the fence into the backyard where those setters would spend their day. And it was easy to see from his face that he meant business. And, and by the way, if you haven't seen what was voted ugliest dog of the year uh, this year, uh, I, I thought it was so cool that in today's news, he's there, and he happens to be a bulldog, okay? So take a look. You saw it? All right, cool. Yeah, so take a look at that ugly dog, okay? So uh, this dog really meant business. And so the first impulse of, of this friend was to, to take his setters and, and lock them up in the basement so that they wouldn't have to mess with his animal. But you know, uh, he's like one of those two dog owners that I have sometimes meet at the dog park and say, you know, let's just let the dogs be the dogs, okay? Let's let them figure it out. And, and, uh, and hopefully this little bulldog will learn this lesson that he'll never forget. Well, naturally they got after each other and uh, that little bulldog got beat up. And when he finally had enough, crawled back under the fence, made his way home, 
You can hear him crying the rest of the day when he was lifting his load. But he wasn't. He defeated. The very next day, same time, you can hear him snorting down the alley. Here he comes, back under the fence, confront those two setups until he had enough. Day three, same time, same channel, <laughs> right? Everything just the same, but that little bulldog coming down the alley, confronting those setters, they go after it the, the, until the, the bulldog's had enough, he goes home whining, and then you hear him crying the rest of the day, and you know he's just licking his wound. So now this friend has to travel on, on business, and this was before the day of cell phones, so you know the setters would be there with his wife, he's gone for a couple of weeks, and when he gets home, he wants to know how the story played out, and she says, honey, you're not going to believe Every morning, at the same time, that little bulldog, he didn't miss that, he would come down the alley, just snorting, right, crawl under the fence, they'd, they'd go after it, but it's come to the point that now, when our setters hear that dog snorting down the alley, and they see him crawl under the fence, they run to the basement, and they whine. And that bulldog struts around the yard like he owns the place. <laughs> yeah. See, that bulldog was no flashy man. He's a legend. And his story goes on and on and on. Now think about this. I can't imagine that he has a great cloud of witnesses to inspire him. Right? I can't even imagine that he has a great coach to look to. Maybe, just maybe, that little bulldog had a vision of joy that he would dominate the art of service. 